general nerdery. So I had to walk here because my truck has been out of commission and just, you know, from work to your house. Mm-hmm. I don't know what a mile or two like it's not. It's uh, according to Google Maps. It's exactly two miles. OK, so like it's not terrible, but it's, you know, a decent walk and a couple of things. One. It makes perfect sense to me now that I because I used to walk fucking everywhere. Be like, oh, yeah, walk across 10. That's just like five miles, whatever. You know, not a mm-hmm. big town, first of all, but like. I'll I'll be done in like an hour and a half, whatever. And then like doing this now being like, oh, so this is why I've been putting on weight the moment. Like I get a car, suddenly my belly started growing and my butt started getting flatter. And I'm like, ah, (laughs) I get it now. And it's not like I'm going to be able to just be like, oh, I'll walk more often because I fucking live 30 miles outside of town. Like that's just no longer an option. But the thing was on the way here, you know, when you're walking and it's like, just awkward enough speed pacing that it's like you're fucking following someone for like 15 blocks. The guy one had a leather jacket with a big cross on the back with the word affliction. Okay. Underneath. And then a cane that he clearly did not need, which I understand with various, you know, ongoing injuries. Sometimes people carry a cane, even though they don't always need it. But as someone who was a tryhard for several years of my life, I can tell when someone is just like, oh, <laughs> like you I recognize think you this. look cool. And then a really shitty knife that he was clearly trying to hide holding. Okay. And I was like, I've been listening to a lot of like cult stuff. Mm-hmm. True crime. I'm like, I'm going to get fucking stabbed. And then literally he turns around at one point and he flips the knife around. So it is pointing at me, not like directly, like shaking it at me, but definitely like I saw how he was holding it before, uh-huh. you know, like kind of up his sleeve to it's in my direction. He's like, where's the post office? And I'm fucking like that way, a blog, whatever you're like almost on top of it. But as he's walking off, he's like, oh yeah, thanks man. Like, cool. This guy is, uh, I mean, nothing about him strikes me as stable, but like, also <laughs> he's done me no wrong, whatever. I'm not, I'm, I'm no, Still I'm being for an interesting walk. And I'm also, I haven't thought of like, I don't think they're going to like you at the post office. My guy, <laughs> like <laughs> with your shitty throwing knife that you're <laughs> welcome to general nerder, your podcast about liking things. We're going to cover basically nothing to do with what I was just talking about, but no, it was there. Thankfully, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I don't even know where to start on that. Yeah, it was. It wasn't bad. I was safe. I would understand, like anyone feeling kind of unsafe from it. Also, I can't figure out why affliction on top of the cross. Like, I don't. Maybe he was using Jesus to not be on drugs. No, I mean no. So affliction things are a tease or a thing, but like that's usually with like the wannabe MMA crowd. It could have been, I don't know, everything about this guy said he might have been there on January 6th. Um, anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. What have we been ingesting? Now that I think about it, like, not, not just res ton. dogs. <laughs> uh, not just res dogs. Like, I fired up Vampire Survivors again for the first time in a little bit. Uh, that was fun. They've added a couple new modes, so I've been fucking around with those a mm-hmm. little bit in between, like, cleaning and stuff. Um, Finally read Executioners that you lent me. Oh, yeah. This is uh, Executioners, just as a side note. It's a Marvel book. X-Men line. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed that. Kind of love that, like, X-23 was just, like, already captured and, like, hanging out. Just like, oh, you're just going to, like, let me kill things? Cool. 
if you've not read this book, you fucking absolutely have to. It is, uh, I can't think of the creative team, but they're all fucking good. And it is all of Marvel's light based mutants. So it's uh, Dazzler, Boom Boom, and Jubilee teaming up with X23 to be like horny and violent and kill vampires. Yeah. No, that's pretty accurate. Um, it's a little bit wilder than just that even, but like that's uh, my, that's yeah, my, don't need to summary. go into it. I was a little bit bummed out that they brought in magic at the end. Cause it just made me wish that she was there the entire it time. Been great. They were kind of angling for a follow-up series. And there were a few points where they dropped some like Jubilee talking and being like, you know, if this team goes anywhere, we could, but I, I don't think that many people bought it because one, it was it's the only Marvel book I can think of in a long time that directly had a like mature warning. I think on the front cover of the issues, like they were very clear of like, do not buy this for your children. Right. Right. <laughs> this is, they did it pretty humorously, but like it's the warning is there in the front of every one of the books. It's yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> um, I mean, this has Jubilee and, uh, uh, X 23, Yelling at the person who kidnapped them that he's a pee boy that likes to watch people pee. Yes. That or uh, they're the, the kind of plot line of this story is that they're explaining to the quiet council of Krakoa what happened, but they keep getting distracted and test professor X's patience at one point because they stopped the like story of why they shouldn't be in trouble to talk about how nice Dazzler's ass is looking these days. Like, right. <laughs> Had a lot of fun with that. Uh, at the same time, finally, after missing it for our episodes, read the uh, JLA Earth 2, Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison, Frank Whiteley. Like, you're just... Yeah. I mean, it was good. I, I think I like some of the other stuff we covered in that run, that Morrison run that we did better, but... The reason, I think, because that's the one that tends to be like, oh, this is the shit. This is the one you need to read, is because it's so easy to put it in front of someone, and it's what four issues, five issues yeah. and you're done. Mm-hmm. It is a nice digestible, extremely well done bit. While the Grant Morrison run, as we've discussed is one like 30 something issues with various people jumping in and doing some like guest writing mm-hmm. and letting them get some time filled in. And the art is a little more all over the place while quietly is well, not everyone's cup of tea reliably solid. And consistent and um, you don't have to be like, why is Superman blue with lightning powers right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Wait, did they just say wonder woman's dead? I see her right over yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. None of that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a lot more digestible. Um, it's actually pretty easy to follow for how weird of a story it is. Mm-hmm. It's an extremely well-crafted miniseries that brings in a really interesting dynamic on the crime syndicate. So I say, I also just like always like seeing Owlman. Yeah. And it's where it first introduces the good Owlman costume for the first time in Owlman's history. Mm-hmm. Owlman has had some of the worst costumes in all of comic books. Also, no, this one's solid though. That said, uh, Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, the like animated adaptation, I almost like more. And that's oh. fucking rare to say, especially when James Woods is on that cast. Oh, that's right. He makes a great fucking owl man. As much as I have nothing good to say about James Woods, 
he plays a evil Batman nihilist really well. I was about to say it like <laughs> there's not many good things to say about James Woods, except for some of his performances that he's turned. His in. voice acting tends to be pretty solid in his Hades. I honestly don't think I've seen that movie since it was in theaters and I still remember. Oh yeah. It's Hades just like, out of this it, world. it's just, and then there's him trying to make Rudy Giuliani sexy in the made for TV Rudy movie. But you know, so the man has range, just not always range you want. Oh God. <laughs> um, yeah. And then other than that, it's been reservation dogs. Not my, Oh, I did start, uh, finally reading with the intent to actually finish, uh, a mortal Hulk. You mentioned that, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. going to, uh, I'm going to get on that soon. I think I've got a vacation coming up where we're driving to Portland and I think the books I'm going to bring are Immortal Hulk and some Moon Knight that I need to get through. Killer. Yeah, it's going to be so fucking good. Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be a great time. Let's see. I started a bunch of books that I've not finished. Okay. They're just like, oh, there's this DC run that Josh Williamson did with Infinite Frontier through uh, uh, Justice League Incarnate through Crisis or Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths that are all pretty good. It's big event stuff that I don't usually go for, but I've really been enjoying Josh Williamson. So giving it a shot. Um, he did that Robin series I lent you, that Damian Wayne one that's basically Mortal Kombat. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, he's doing a Green Arrow series right now that's supposed to be fucking killer, and based off how he did Connor Hawk in that Robin series, mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to it. So, like, I'm just having... But it's also event comics, and my attention span for event comics is not great anymore. They just sort of blur yeah. after a while. Slowly rereading through some of the TMNT comic series. We read some of it, the Tom Waltz one. Right. Uh, continues to be fucking great. Right now it's doing the Ultraman, the, the Krang stuff, who is my least favorite Ninja Turtles villain. villain. I infinitely prefer the Foot Clan to any of the, like, Dimension X Same. weirdness. So I know the Technodrome is fucking cool. Technodrome is cool. However... Book clan is so much cooler. Like, and it's it, ninjas versus ninjas. Yeah. So I'll I'll get to it, but I'm kind of just spacing about. Uh, we also got a new kitten. We've had it for one week as of like two days ago. So a lot of my attention is this little bastard that's suddenly living in my house. His name is Animal after the Muppet. Yeah. Uh, he's clawed the shit out of me in the last day or two. He's. We think about 10 weeks old. (laughs) He was abandoned by our Mm. store. Okay. And we took him in and he's great. I love him. I love him. But he's, he woke me up like five times last night, biting my toes. And then woke me up this morning by biting my nose. This is the third time he's gone after my nose too. So. Sounds a little annoyed right now. (laughs) Our other poor cat is handling it way better than I expected. (laughs) But as much as I'm a little annoyed, like I'm not getting much done because I'll get home and just play with the kitten. I have now watched all of the Doctor Who specials. Oh, okay. It's fucking good. Neil Patrick Harris and David Tennant playing together is a team up that I did not know I needed. And then watching me like, oh, these guys are fucking perfect together. I'm going to watch them soon. Yeah, we're going to do an episode on them soon. We get a little bit of Shudigatwa, the new doctor. 
more than we usually do for a regeneration episode, but we, we get some there. He's fucking great. I've never, I've not seen the Barbie movie and I purposely haven't watched the show sex education that he's in mm-hmm. because I wanted to come in relatively fresh with him as the doctor. doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. I'm looking forward. Like I've, as we've said, I really enjoyed the entire Jody run. I think it's really slept on in ways that it didn't deserve to be. Mm-hmm. I've not been this excited for a new doctor in quite a while. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be getting to that soon enough. Like you said, we're, Doing possibly episode. in two weeks we're not sure yet. <laughs> uh, in which case i'll have to get to it soon oh but. yeah well and shooty's first episode drops christmas day which oh sweet at okay. time of recording is like six days from now mm-hmm. so uh soon mm, it's so close none of us are ready for christmas <laughs> no <laughs> not at all no i i did uh i, I bought my first couple of christmas presents for most of my today. christmas gifts are done I just have to do the post office stuff. And I could not tell you why I hate the post office as much as I do, but I fucking despise every post office. One of them, I got to get my butt in gear and and read before I give it to my little sister. (laughs) What is it? I got her the first volume of Lumberjanes. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, Lumberjanes fucking so good. I, I, (laughs) she, she hasn't really picked up on any of my reading suggestions in the past, but I keep trying. Oh yeah. And so uh, this year I went with a spread of Lumberjanes and Monstrous. That's a fucking like saga between those two (laughs) books, my dude. Lumberjanes is a one of the best all ages books released in the last like 21 years, Mm -hmm. whatever. I don't know why I said 21 there in the last couple of decades. It is a fucking wonderful adventure story of a summer camp and monstrous is a really weird and dark. Yeah. I've read that first volume before. I'm going to say anime inspired, but like when you usually say anime inspired, it's like the art. And this is, this is art deco inspired art wise. There's some definite anime Mm -hmm. touch in the art stuff, but yeah, the art deco anime, as opposed to when I usually say anime inspired, I, it sounds like I'm talking about street fighter. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. It's just a very different, very different. Yes, <laughs> yes. Dark, mean at times. Oof, so sad good. at times. So but really good. good. Really good. Um. So we'll see. We'll see if any of those click. If not, like whatever. Like when her try, birthday rolls around, again. I'll get something else that I know she'll like. She. She. I get to. I experiment on Christmas, and, and then, then like things the re- old reliable. Yeah, mm-hmm, that's old reliable yeah, on old. birthdays. <laughs> all right i think that's a really short first half but that's fine that's, i'm so ready i'm so used to us going like three times as long in this first half it's one we have steven here like four times out of five anymore and two <laughs> it's just oh, it's been a weird couple of weeks not like bad but we just haven't really dived into much yeah we've been doing shit it's busy, busy and i bit me a bunch like it happens <laughs> Um, cool. We'll take a small break and come back with some reservation dog season Uh, two. Yeah. 
I am so easily influenced by like the TV that I'm watching. You know, we were just talking about Chorsey before this, and like I am not a sporty guy by any stretch of the imagination outside of like Bellagarth, but the moment we start watching uh Shorzy, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna fucking like make a fucking impression next season. Set the fucking tone. <laughs> and you know, anything, Ted Lasso. I mean, I've all Ted Lasso, I'm fucking halfway there all the time anyways because my entire my deep-seated need to see the best in as many people as i can i gotta be so careful with res dogs though i want to say skoden <laughs> so many times i'm like zach you're so white you're so- <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> well, do not okay. be one of do not be like any of the white guys with the possible exception of white steve who is apparently like delightful white steve is so good <laughs> I love White Steve. <laughs> um, no, so because you just mentioned Shorzy, go back to the Shorzy season one soundtrack and realize that Snotty Nose Res Kids had a song on there called Skoden. Which one are Snotty? Are they in here? No, or they're not just, in here. Okay. They're just a well, famous native rap duo. I, I knew Skoden because uh, Tana says it all right. the fucking time in Letter Kenny. Yeah. That song's awesome. I have it on my fucking workout list. Yeah, the Letter Kenny season one soundtrack fucking rips. Oh my god. Yeah. Or le- not Letter Kenny Shorzy. I mean both. Yeah, actually. Any show Jared Kiso's a part of has a pretty killer soundtrack, seems like. Um, but that's not this show. No. <laughs> Res Dog season two. Oh, I want to start really quick because uh when I was uh editing I realized I made a mistake and accidentally combined two of my notes when I was saying it out loud. Uh, Lane Factor, who plays Cheese, is from an Oklahoma reservation, but he's not Muskogee. He's Seminole Creek. Okay. Or Seminole Cree. Not Creek. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, two different tribes. <laughs> a different <clears throat> Correction of my correction? Uh, <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you for doing that. So this season... I mean, this season feels like a very in-between season, which is not a bad thing. It's exactly what was needed. I think this season is fucking brilliant. I didn't have any point that I was that was quite as hard hitting for me as, you know, like, for example, the hunting episode from the first season or the fucking Daniel episode from the first season. But in fairness, especially the Daniel episode is just designed to kick you in the head. So I don't mean that as a negative and in several ways, I think I like this season better. Like this, this season does feel like kind of a step up across the board, which like makes sense. It's the second season of a show it's and not- they're also not making it during the first round of COVID, yeah. which oh, happened during the first show. I didn't even think of that. That's a great point. It's not so much like, a lot of shows have to spend the first season figuring out who they are. This show knew who it was from the very first episode, but there is always a difference with the actors of just not that they've gotten better. They just are more comfortable with who their character is now because they've had more time to explore that mm-hmm. space. We'll get there. I, this is, this is probably the season I watch most often. Like this is kind of my feel good season. Yes. This um, season doesn't punch you in the throat nearly as much as the first season does. Oh, there's, I will say, I will say I usually leave off, um, the first two episodes when I'm doing a rewatch 
if I'm doing a rewatch for feeling good, because those just get really tense. Yeah. Especially when you start thinking about like MMIW stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's a fair point. That was these first, the first two episodes of this season, my first time through watching it was the tensest I have felt in this, uh, that I feel in this television show. I had to leave the room in the first episode now that you say it. Although for unrelated reasons. The white woman's food is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life, but we'll get there in a second. I'm still mad. Like, I'm viscerally angry about it. That's hilarious. I love that they fucking circle about in the last one. You have really specific fears, Alora. Like, obviously, she has not talked about that experience. So good. Uh, how do we, how do we want to do this? Where were we at? We didn't really go episode by episode last time. Last time we went more with the characters, but I mm-hmm. think, I don't know. It might be better to go episode by episode with this one a little, like, at yeah. least loosely, at least loosely, uh, because this is kind of, as we said, it's, it's kind of the in between. It's more like where people are at and setting up for where they're going. I, I mean, I think, and this, I know a little bit mean, about and, what happens in season three, but and this season is the one that really starts to like really shift some focus to the elders as well. Yeah. I mean, there's two episodes of this season and there's not a bunch of episodes in the season where the kids barely appear. And it's fine. And it's fine. My favorite one is Biggs episode. Oh my God. (laughs) The one I fucking texted you about. (laughs) It's so good. Uh, But at the beginning of this, it is, Mostly, I will say it bugged the shit out of me. And I mentioned this to you. I really wanted the team together Mm. more. And I understand from a storytelling perspective why they're not and like how they couldn't just drop everyone in the same room again. It wouldn't have worked. It would have felt unearned. And this show is very committed to like kind of earning everything that it puts you through but it still bummed me out in the same way that it clearly was bumming Willie Jack out. So <laughs> yeah. The first episodes of the curse. I mean, the first two are basically a two parter, right? The curse mm-hmm. and run. And they're all broke up. Yeah. Which they kind of are for most of the season, but we'll get to that more, I guess. But like, this is where they're really broke up. Cause like in the last <laughs> season, fucking Alora split with Jackie. So like they're literally like not even in town. This one. But then the fact all, all the fucking bad medicine around town, though, that's been happening and shit. I fucking love that. Okay, so do we want to start with, we're just going to do these two together because mm-hmm. he said they're kind of two-parters. Uh, I guess let's start with um, Willie Jack and Cheese. And, like, let's start in town, and then we'll talk about Alora and Jackie. Right. So... Willie Jack's blaming herself because she thinks it's her fault that the group is falling apart because she put a helped put a curse on Jack Jackie. And so, which I had I, forgotten about, to be honest with you, but yeah, when she sli- slipped the white guy, the hair uh-huh. at the bar and you know, like uncle Brown, Brownie warned him, like it'll come back on you. Yeah. This, this whole thing is mostly, Let's check in on like where the town is at after everything that went down. Brownie now thinks he's a medicine man. <laughs> okay, I'm colonizer boobs on your wall. <laughs> oh fuck! And the whole, just the whole thing with 
Brownie and I can't remember the spirit guy's name. Oh, William Knifeman. William Knifeman. Knifeman being like, you are not a holy man. You're not. Like, <laughs> Just, but, but I see you. But I see, I clearly am. I stopped the, the tornado. Like anyone can do that. <laughs> but basically this is where the group kind of splits into, kind of splits into three. Because, because Bear's kind of on, on his own. Bear's Dude. definitely on his own journey. I mean, he straight up is following with them for a while and then leaves. Like, pull, gets them to pull over the truck and walks mm-hmm. off. And then Bear's kind of going through his own little saga as he's having to get to stuff. It'll come up more in, I think, episode three. Yeah, where the roofing episode. Which does punch me in the heart. I... I when I say this series didn't punch me in the heart as much, I didn't actually have to deal with suicide directly. Mm-hmm. It still took plenty of scenes to like make you be like, oh, okay. Cheese doesn't really split from any of them because cheese is just cheese. Cheese is man thing? Explain your logic. He's just kind of there <laughs> carrying jellyfish floating on their <laughs> floating, <laughs> floating on their fields of emotion. Well, he's also so much. He was very awkward for me. He's so much younger than yeah. the rest of them. And that really does start to like sit in because he they're all 17, 18 and he's 15, yeah, 14, 15. 15. Uh, so that really makes you go, oh, OK. But yeah, Willie Jack recruits. She first tries with Uncle Brownie to who might have been my favorite character in the show until the big episode. But then we'll get to that uh, to break the curse. But he refuses. So they go to uh, Bucky, Bucky, who we've seen before, but hasn't been a significant character so far. I w- uh, I, I know I kind of mentioned it last season but i want to reiterate again how big of a deal it is in this episode to have gary farmer and west studi acting together reminds me why uh, because those two are like if you saw a movie with a native in it from like the 80s through the 90s it was one one of of those two okay cool like they are they were two of the three actors holding down representation for like 25, 30 years. Damn. That's. And they had only been in one other, one or two other scenes with each other prior to this. That's really impressive and really sad at the same, like really impressive for them. Really indicative of the problems of Hollywood at the same time. Now this is. Minor spoiler, they get somebody in the third season to show up in a scene with these two that is basically the equivalent of, like, getting the Avengers together. Hell yeah. I'm so, I had to stop myself from just starting season three because I was like, no! We're purposely doing this in a way that I don't know what's going next. I mean, I kind of know just by looking up stuff for the mm-hmm. season and they kind of like, it's so easy to be like, Oh, read a sentence too far. <laughs> but like these two being in the, you're like, that's Wes Studi and Gary Farmer. It's, so good. it's Magua and Arnold Joseph. Like they both fucking kill it. That 
one of the funniest scenes in the season. But anyways, after they get Bucky, uh, Uncle Brownie is not willing to trust Bucky to be the one to get rid of the curse. Mm -hmm. And these elders have lived very complicated (laughs) lives. (laughs) We find out, and it's such an interesting way of like, they tell us a lot about the backstory of these characters without having a whole lot of preamble. Just as these two characters interact, we suddenly realize there's so much shit that we didn't see before this. Or that we don't like that that explain why the town is. And we end up with this the absolutely phenomenal scene of these two who are in some ways, probably some of the more educated people in town when it comes to dealing with medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Various spiritual matters, really realizing that they have absolutely no idea how to do this ceremony <laughs> and are using this ceremony to kind of work through like 30 year old grudges with one another. Like, it's such a well-acted scene because on one hand they are honestly trying to do a good job for these kids and get rid of this curse. On the other hand, they They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. On the other, other hand, they have a 30 year old grudge and they're trying to one up each other because of shit that happened long before Willie Jack or cheese were born. On the other, other, other hand, they're using all of this to get over their bullshit. Was Bucky the one that made the, was making the copper sculptures? Yes. Okay. That's where I, he was the one that was missing his string theory book, which we find, that um, Kenny boy had Kenny boy had. And then the guy at the home. Yes. Was yeah, reading yeah. one too. Okay. okay. Kenny boy's fascinating this season, but that's not important. I told you Kenny boy gets better. <laughs> <laughs> but just the, that whole scene and poor Willie Jack and cheese, because Willie Jack desperately cares about getting rid of this curse and cheese is just a good boy. Who's here to help people <laughs> um, Yep, are just trying to like nod along and take this really stupid ceremony. Seriously, not stupid because of the ceremony stupid because of the two boobs doing this ceremony. And Tom Petty and Tom. Yeah. All right. We have to sing an old song and they start singing fucking free fallen. Yeah. (laughs) It's not that old. It's only like 30 years. And then they put, cause like part of it is they put the hair that was part of the bad juju into the river to send it floating down. And it immediately goes into one of like the estuaries and gets banked. It doesn't go fucking anywhere. anywhere. Um, uh, but like the intention kind of like uh, this season is a lot more. The spirits are real while the up, well, previous season was a little more up in the air up until, uh, uh, Knifeman Knifeman. Yeah. William Knifeman, um, appears to uncle Brownie as well. And so they're like, Oh shit, that's not just bear has a concussion, mm-hmm. but this season's a lot more direct on like the spirits are fucking real. But like, but it's, it's also little, not like you're missing out on something if you don't interact with the spirits. No, like you can still get just there as part, just being a human. It's just part of life. Mm-hmm. But like, it seems like intent matters a lot on that. So the fact that they were legitimately trying, even if they're doofuses, 
Shit, I know the song better than that. <laughs> With a bit of like, oh, tell them that thanks to their effort, this has worked. But you have to communicate with your friends and share your feelings. Knifeman is trying so hard to get these fucking assholes to just talk to each other for 10 goddamn minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, I was listening to this thing about uh, the Biggie and Tupac feud. And a lot of people who knew both of them were like, man, if we could have put them in the same VIP section at a club for like half an hour, all of this would have been over. Dude, completely, like... I was watching an interview with Redman the other day and somebody asked him like, what's the difference between like when you were coming up in the rap game in the nineties and like now, and he immediately was like, well, they can talk with each other now, like social medias and all this other stuff. Like sometimes like it gets annoying that like people focus on it that much, but we didn't have that back in the day. Like if we had beef with each other, we didn't have a chance to, to hash it out in any form. And you didn't hear about most of the worst beefs. Because it wasn't about putting out a diss track. It was you showed up at their live show. I could see how that would get weird with some of the borderline gang stuff. But my point is, like, mm-hmm. if Alora and Bear would have fucking talked to each other and actually talked, not one person yelled at the other person. And I get why it happened. So much of this shit would have just been... Could have just been wrapped up, but I also understand there's a bunch of traumas and deeper things going on, but you know, uncle Look, Brownie's like, Hey, this worked, but you guys got to stop being shit asses is such a good minor, minor spoiler. I'm going to leave it really vague, but this episode really brings up something that they hammer home in the next season about some of the problems that the elders have had. Mostly of not talking. To Mostly of not talking, yeah. and cheese plays a big part of that episode. God, I love cheese. Cece's favorite is Willie Jack. My favorite is cheese, and I fucking adore Mine's Willie Jack. Jack. Don't my favorite's Willie Jack. Willie Jack is the most interesting character. I am just always a sucker for the cupcake. <laughs> the, like, <laughs> and honestly, the the cheese episode is so fascinating. But we'll get there. Um, Bear in these first couple episodes is kind of just there to break away from the other two. Bear is at a crossroads right now. He. Alora calling him out on a lot of the shit that she called him out on last season of like. Hey, I'm doing all the fucking work here really does like. Affect him. <laughs> and then Moe's and Miko like, hey, what happened to the leader? Oh, and the second in command, like, yeah, Bear thought, and the way that the first episode is set up, like, it's really kind of... Bear is framed as the leader. And then it does not take long to really find out that he's not, even though he kind of thinks he is. And as the oldest male in probably the most, not probably, the most conventionally attractive male... In the show? In the show, probably the most conventionally attractive person in the show of the like cast, you expect him to be the like main guy in charge. The main, and then he's not right. He's a huge part of the show, but it's, it's, but he's mostly just off talking to the spirit with the hard nips. <laughs> yeah. Bear will get some great stuff going forward. In a lot of cases, people are like, you need to get a fucking job. And he, he does get a job and he does get some growth out of it. He gets a great scene. But 
I do like that the job doesn't just fix everything. Right. Like, it'd be so easy to be like, oh, he's got a job. He's doing shit now. But no, because the job helps him do shit, but it doesn't solve the problems. Uh, but before we get to Bear, let's jump over to Alora and Jackie, unless you have anything else on no. Cheese and... No, I'm just Alora and Jackie, that whole thing. Even knowing how it turns out when I do my rewatches, it makes me tense up a little bit because there's so many parts of their journey where it could have went so wrong. Well, Alora's what, 17? Yeah, I think she's supposed to be the oldest of the group, so she might have already turned 18, actually. Okay, but, but like, at best, this is the first year that she's not a minor. Mm-hmm. And these two girls going off in a piece of shit car across America because Oklahoma you said to yeah to Oklahoma California that's a drive one thing I found interesting was how much I could like feel and smell and almost taste some of those like super native themed rest stops oh right because we have a lot of those around here. Because those are the rest stops I've been going in my entire life. Yeah. Like that one, the place that they go into that has the Native American fortune teller. <laughs> Voiced by William Knifeman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dallas uh, Goldtooth. Who wrote these first two episodes? I, I thought that that was. Mm-hmm. Um, makes me think of, what is it? The 99,000 silver dollar bar. Mm-hmm. Oh, the $50,000. $50,000 silver dollar bar. I uh, graduated with the heir to the Lincoln fortune. The Lincoln fortune? The the Lincolns are the family that own that, and, like, most of that half of the county. Yeah, no, I know they come from money, but, like, (laughs) it's such a weird... Okay, so, if you're not from around here, the $50,000 silver dollar bar is a kitschy rest stop with a restaurant and a bar... That is at like the halfway point between Missoula and Spokane, Washington. The uh, last really good rest stop before you start heading up the pass has pretty much every tourist trap native bullshit will be at this place. I haven't bought anything from there since I was a kid. I still love stopping by there. Oh, yeah. And there have been plenty of videos of people. Like, Welcome to Night Vale did a, a Patreon thing because they were touring and they stopped there. And definitely people being like, what the fuck is this place? If you want a dream catcher made by a white man, that's definitely the place to go for it. Or a plastic tomahawk. Yes. Both. Or marbles. Marbles wow. and beads as far as the eye can see. So that hit really strongly. But this one, I mean, part of what's so stressful, especially the first time you watch it, like, I never thought Jackie, well, really quickly didn't think Jackie was as, like, I don't want to use the term evil, but bad, Mm -hmm. as she's portrayed in those first episodes or two, where she's being directly adversarial and beating the shit out of Bear. Right. Well, oh, and these first episodes with Willie, Jack, and Cheese, we find out that the rest of the Indian Mafia don't really give a shit when Jackie's not around. No, they're straight up like, Jackie hurt our feelings by leaving, so now we're doing fucking Lucha Libre stuff on the roof, and we find out that 
White Steve fucking kind of kicks ass. Like White Steve is so great. He's just White a, Steve is the Indian Mafia's cheese. We kind of got that in the last episode where he does a little bit of his rap. In his the, rap was, oh my god, I love it so much. He's again. just a dude. He's he's just a guy. Uh, <laughs> and he'll he's going to end up being their generation's Kenny boy. Oh no. <laughs> Just Don't hopefully do without meth, the meth. White Steve. <laughs> Don't do meth. White Don't Steve. do meth. Uh, but anyways, like, because you've been geared for that whole first season to not really trust Jackie, even though she's not like the straight up villain that she's initially portrayed as. And I kept like at first part of you keeps waiting for the like turnaround, and Jackie's kind of ready through a lot of this to just ditch at the drop of a hat almost mm-hmm. but she does stuff like she buys that butterfly knife and then when they get in the car because their car breaks down they start hitchhiking i'm about 95 percent positive that that song that is playing while when the car breaks down is by travis thompson who plays tino in stay gold cheesy boy that's the uncle no, uh no that's the uh the the kid with the kids Oh, the one that peed over everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, he's um, a rapper. He's re- he's not too bad. I listened to him this week. He was pretty good. Native hip-hop is a like scene that I didn't know existed until just recently, and it's pretty solid. Yeah. I dig his stuff. I dig some Snotty Nose Res Kids, some Dreezus. Uh, But their car breaks down. They start hitchhiking. They get picked up by a weirdo white guy. And in the first sign that Jackie might not fuck over Alora at the drop of a hat. She passes the knife to Alora mm-hmm. to like protect herself. Now this is part of the long line of every white person in this show, except for white Steve is the fucking worst. We'll get to Kenny boy, but like even Kenny boy's pretty terrible. Right. Right. <laughs> but he just, he, he just ends see, up with so much more depth than you thought he was going to the have. line from later on. Uh, he's not a good person, but he's trying. Kind of, I, uh, so I can't decide if that guy is act like the guy that picks them up is actually a serial killer. And I like, or is, I kind of like that they play it that way, that it's kind of ambiguous, but he was setting off enough red flags that like, get the fuck out of there. Yes. And I agree with them. And he, but like, is he a serial killer? Like, and I've been listening to true crime fucking nonstop for like a year and a half now. So I was really, I just listened to the fucking episodes on Randy Kraft, who was one of the highway serial killers, just like picking people up and murdering them today. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. This dude's got some craft vibes. Uh, this, um, I feel like there's, there's, smaller bits all over the show that they do it even even to an extent in the first season when they're dealing with uh with daniel's death but the show is very good at going up to a point where you understand Mm -hmm. like the audience understands what they're getting at and then so you don't have to go any further everyone knows what you're talking about yeah which comes up even more in a extremely heavy hitting episode in the third season (sighs) they do an extremely good job of that same thing where it's not about they don't frame the suffering. They frame everything up to where you understand what's happening. And then this is where the actual story is. Well, this show does it so good. This show is one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. 
Yeah. And I knew it was going to be like, this was not one that you had to fucking fight me on watching. It just took the right place, mm-hmm. right place, right time to sit down to it. And Holy fuck. I'm glad I have, this is probably my best show of 2023. I know um, it didn't come out in 2023, but fuck it. Um, yeah. Parts of it did. We'll get to those. Just curious. Is he a serial killer? No idea. All right. doesn't matter. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, if he's not, I do feel real bad for him. I know that he like, is he pulls off on another road and like is sketchy as shit being like, Oh, we got to go get gas up here. Like, you know how teenage boys are. He, he's fuck. I think, I kind of think he's just a weirdo. I'm leaning towards not because it tends. I really think that he's a very closeted Christian gay man. Mm. And a lot of times that if you are a gay serial killer, you are probably killing men. And if you are a straight serial killer, you're probably killing women. I give you Dahmer and Bundy as examples. Right. I don't know what it is. Something about serial killers. You're kind of killing the person that you want to fuck because you're getting a sexual thrill out of it. Not going to go farther into true crime here. Cause it's a little dark for our show. So like as but fucking I mean, they... sketchy as he is, he gave me, the way he said certain things gave me some like super repressed thanks to his religion, gay man vibes. And that's the thing. Like I, this episode is important because especially, especially amongst the native American indigenous community here in the United States. Like if you look at the numbers or women are being preyed upon. Oh, it's a fucking epidemic. It's terrible. Like I, that, that's the real heavy. We don't need to go into the numbers. I didn't look them up, but like, that's the reason why, like they highlighted that kind of in this episode. Like this is something even more like it's, it's There's fucking scary out there to be a woman anyway. But like, when you take a look at these numbers, like these yeah. native girls, it's, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, we see three different ways that they could fucking have gone terribly wrong just in this episode and each one's stressful in a different way because then there's the rednecks. Well, yeah. Okay. First of all, they end up kicking the shit out of and stabbing the guy. (laughs) Uh, and then he drives off, they run out of the car, but all of their shit is in that car still. Uh, and then they try to steal a car from a rednecks like junkyard. And we do get an interesting bit of Alora has now stolen two cars. Mm hmm. Because Alora stole, helped steal the chip truck, chip truck, and she just stole her grandma's car. I'm like, you've stolen cars before. And she's like, this is different. Like, it's interesting where I guess her boundaries are or where she's like realizing where she exists now. In between the stealing of the cars, there is that little bit where they're eating at the restaurant and they do the most subtle bit of jackie exposition with we find out her deal is jackie's brother died probably through suicide yeah that's they technically never 100 say that like they bring it up again wikipedia says that he did but i don't remember them ever actually saying just that he's done right well so the subtle way that they do it and because neither of them are really comfortable with talking about it too much is like jackie's like you know did you lose them recently? You know, was it pretty mm-hmm. recent? And Laura's like, yeah, it was about a year ago. And she starts to say something. And then she's just like, oh yeah, he was, he was the coolest. 
And Jackie's like, oh, yeah, I lost my brother, too. He was, he was also, also the coolest. coolest. Like, yeah, it's very. Oh, that scene was fucking heart wrenching. I'm really glad you remember to bring it up. Uh, they tried to steal the thing. The fucking rednecks start chasing them in a truck, shooting guns. That scene is legitimately terrifying. Yeah. And like. Don't steal someone's car, but also. Don't chase after two teenage girls shooting guns and clearly like they would not have had a problem running those two over. No. No. Then they're going to try to rip off this old white lady. And it's not away. even clear immediately if they're going to rip them off. They just end up doing, but they that. end up falling asleep and she finds them. And yeah, the old, the old white lady who is not the most uncomfortable of the three, but somehow the most uncomfortable of the three She's going through a divorce. She's fucking desperate. The bit where she's like, take me with you. <laughs> I'm joking. I'd pay for gas. <laughs> I'm not joking. And you're like, you're like 50. And I mean, nothing wrong with me and 50, but you don't go fucking running off with two teenage girls. Like, <laughs> So I will tell you that they, as far as I remember, with as many times as I've watched the rest of this series, they never address the fact of like, what the fuck happened with her truck. Yeah. I was wondering about that. So first of all, I have to talk about this because they make fun of white people food and it made me viscerally, viscerally angry, but not at like white people food being made fun of, but like the fact that I know people who would eat like this, I'm sure. <laughs> I also went through a ranch dressing obsession period. I don't like it anymore. I can't really do ranch. Um, your loss. And now I actually <laughs> like gag a little bit. First of all, this woman putting out the, like, this is my world famous taco spaghetti casserole. Oof. And then she pours fucking ranch dressing all over everything. Nope. Ugh. Nope. Ugh. Peace. Ever since whatever his name is left, just carbs all the time. Carbs, carbs. <laughs> Jackie goes to steal the truck and leave, but then decides last second to take Alora with her. And that this is really where I stop thinking of Jackie as an antagonist in any way, shape, or form, and explains why Alora definitely doesn't think of her. Because mm -hmm. like if Jackie had just bounced, Alora would have been fucked right here. Mm-hmm. And but instead they bounce with the truck. And then the lady just goes, those sluts. And like goes back to bed or something. Like doesn't even like Look, that lady is in a place in her life Dude, where she's she redid she honestly loaded. might not mind. <laughs> yeah, one might not mind because she can have that whole like weird romance thing going on of like not romance like relationship but just the the, the romantic notion the, that she helped these to yeah and then that she was part of their story also she's got that huge fucking house and i don't think that was the only vehicle so like it's probably not a big deal and they're all she has to do is like call you know call the police and be like my truck was stolen during the night don't even have to say anything else. Like she'll yeah. probably get her money back or like some kind of insurance payout. Just she's white. She can get away with that. And rich, rich is and a rich. very important part of that specific 
sentence. Uh, we meet Jackie's mom. Right. Which is mostly important. The one line that really sticks out is her being like, give that place a chance. You need it. And really kind of driving home, especially when you know that Jackie lost her brother, who she was really close to. Jackie needs family and community in a way that I don't think her mother is capable of giving her. And I don't know any of the details behind that or why, but like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just the whole thing is it, that just that one line humanized Jackie even further for me. And then they go back and pick up a Laura's car. I was a hundred percent sure it was just, Abandoned. Right. But cool. And then we swap over to Bear. Right, because then that goes in that basically goes in episode three. How far did they make it? Because they didn't make it to California. No, I have no idea how far they made it. But for some reason I thought Jackie was from California in season one, but clearly she's not. She's just from But she's I think she's just from the city. I think she might be from like Tulsa or something. Okay, that's the thing I was wondering about. Uh Tulsa would make sense. Mm-hmm. We get to Bear. Bear is starting his job as a roofer. Roofer. I fucking love it. Alongside uh, Cheese's uncle, Charlie. Yeah. Played by Nathan Apodaca, who. So he, he, his handle, he keeps referencing his social media in all the episodes when he comes up. It's because he got TikTok famous. Like he's in this show because he blew up. Because the internet was in a weird mood one day, and he had is a he video the cranberry juice yes. guy. Oh my god! Yeah, he's Dogface. My buddy fucking knows him not well, but like, yeah, yeah. He's the he's the cran. That's why when uh when uh Shit. Daniel's dad is going to go to the store, he says, "Get me some cranberry juice." And why he's talking about his twenty. 20- TikTok followers and he's doing the little dance because that's what he does most of the time in his videos and shit. Oh my god, that is a fun video of him skateboarding and drinking cranberry juice on the way to work, right? While listening to Dreams, yeah, <laughs> Dreams is fucking fantastic. It's a great song. <laughs> um, anyways, I love there is something so relatable about Bear starting and he's trying to age his tool belt. I related to this episode. I remember going, uh, my, one of my first jobs was I worked at a lumber yard mm-hmm. and, and I've never done construction. I've never done any. I mean, I, yeah. And it wasn't a tool belt, but the thing was for me that it reminded me of was no one else at the lumber yard wore gloves. So I wasn't going to be the only one wearing gloves. I had to be just, I had to be like them. So I got really, really fucking good at pulling slivers out of all my fucking fingers. Ugh. It was like every day at lunch, like while I'm eating, pulling out like 20 and then getting home and pulling out more. Nope. Don't like that. I mean, I'm very much a just wear your fucking gloves kind of guy. So nobody else did. I no, was like, I get it, especially as a teenager. hundred percent. There's such that he's trying to look like an adult, but he's making himself look more like a kid in the process. Go get the board stretcher. But I don't. <laughs> Like, and I also don't blame him for being super embarrassed by his mom. Oh yeah. Yeah. Being protective of him, but also like his mom should be protective of him. It's such a, it's a fun balance of being a parent of an older teenager. Uh, Shit. I was almost his daddy. (laughs) God. I say this in 
No way judging. His mom's Rita, yes? Yeah, Rita. Okay. Is there anyone who almost wasn't his daddy in Rita's case? Every dude in town has the hots for Rita. Yeah, she's great. Everybody wants Rita. <laughs> it's just funny. Like Bobby again, Lee wants Rita so bad. There is. I am in no way trying to shame the character of Rita. Whatever, girl. Live your best life. Uh, just damn. Like, she cannot escape this. And anytime she tries to, like, find a good guy, it's always... Nah. Immediately or falls apart. Or it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. We'll get to that. I felt bad for that. Uh, oh, yeah. But this is weird because not much fucking happens in this episode. If you were to describe it without, like, going into the emotional depths, Bear gets a job and he spends the day on a roof loosely learning how to be a roofer. That's it. Yeah. But it has, so a, much ten, fucking, it has a tense moment with Daniel's dad. And then a really great moment with mm-hmm. Daniel's dad. Like does so much to humanize the parents. Cause before all we ever had of Daniel's parents was them screaming at each other. Oh yeah. You don't even see the them. It's, yeah. They're just outside. Yeah. It's just screams. And you're like, Oh, it's a bad house. They must be bad people. Not necessarily. They're just, they're, they're people. Shit yeah. happens. And we really can't, emphasize enough how much the reservations were kind of built to make life difficult for natives. But as we discussed in the last one, it's also one of the only places where they can really have uh, any semblance of their culture at the same time. So it's a fucking rough Mm -hmm. balance. Cause I mean, there's fucking nothing. It's uh, abject poverty. And a lot of booze, which we will talk about next episode. I have a thought on that one, but um, there's a there's a couple of things in this episode I really like though. Oh, there's, this is a great episode. There's the bit with William Knife Man in the porta potties, <laughs> which that motherfucker is always talking to Daniel when one of their other one has taken a piss. Yeah, that's he always picks the worst time. Or not Daniel Bear. Bear's daddy stuff is really coming to the surface here uh but also i liked i like his his talking about like why we mourn and why we grieve and uh because, yeah yeah because it, he he brings up two parts of it and there's the spiritual side especially because he's a spirit talking about it and it's like you, that way you know our our loved ones can see that it's time to go on and time to move and they're like, we're, we're fine, that we're safe, and that they can do this. But before that, he brings up the fact that, like, part of the process is, like, you have to build yourself anew again. And he tells Bear, he's like, shit, get over it. You haven't gone through it yet. Like, you've been sad about Daniel, but that's just being sad isn't mourning. Mm-hmm. And you haven't done any of what you need to do yet. Well, and he's not just mourning... Daniel, he's kind of mourning his father Mm -hmm. because after the last time his dad fucked him, he's kind of forced to admit that his, I mean, as his mom said, he's never going to get his dad on his terms and he's coming to the realization of like, he spent so long idolizing his dad in weird ways. And now he's 
not doing that anymore. And the anger he's feeling to his dad is coming out. And so the moment there's anyone with any kind of fatherly behavior towards him, even if it's the, you know, two kind of dumbass roofers telling him to hit the hammer or hit the nail with a hammer. Mm-hmm. It sends him into a spiral and he gets his cheap shot at Daniel's dad. And it was a fucking, I mean, I understand yeah. where his anger comes from, but it was a fucking cheap. Yeah. It's like, oof. okay, <laughs> you got to work with this dude, man. Like, uh, and we get kind of interesting because we get a couple different quote unquote approaches to fatherhood. And it's not really there. None of them are doing it as an approach to fatherhood. They're doing it as like. Approach to manhood. Yeah. And, and the, the two dipshits are going, you got to let them have their, you got to let people make their mistakes. And Daniel's dad is kind of a hundred percent, the opposite direction. And I don't really agree with either. I think I think this is one of those bits where especially looking back on it where this is one of those ones where the the community aspect of this show comes into play because I think that they both have things that are right about 100%. But like just you're right you do have to let people make mistakes but damn like some of these mistakes had repercussions. Right. And it doesn't mean that you should go into something being okay with making a mistake. Mm -hmm. Like you should be trying. And I think that's kind of like Daniel's dad's side is like, like you can't half ass this. Like it's gotta be perfect. Cause shit can screw up. Uh, and like, they don't teach him that he's right. They don't teach him anything. They just let him fuck up and then go on there. Like that's not helpful. Daniel's dad is the only one that actually teaches him anything of if it's already sliding, don't try and grab it. Right. Which on one hand is just good roofer advice, but also definitely has some like, I think deeper message of like, there does uh, both of Daniel's parents will have kind of this message of like, if someone's crashing and burning, there's only so much you can only so much you can do. Sometimes you just got to let people go, which I'm sure is a survival technique for both of them, but damn that. But then you get the Gladstone, but then you get the, the light in the sky for Daniel and bear or Daniel's dad and bear. And Daniel's dad and the, the, the ability to talk and his dad, like you get to see how Daniel's death affected the parents and really changed them kind of for good and bad, obviously, because their kid died. That's never going to be good. But like his dad quit drinking. His dad is kind of keeping shit down in a way that you really got the sense that he was not before before. And it just does such a good job of like changing what all his parents are because his parents aren't the faceless screams, the, the, the personless screams coming out of the house. These are people mm -hmm. who are just doing their best. And that doesn't mean they're not putting harm out on others. I, don't know, I just really loved that moment. 
then end the episode, find out Laura's back. And Daniel yells some stuff, not Daniel, sorry, Bear yells some stuff at her, and he probably should have stopped yelling a little earlier because it's very obvious that some shit's going on, but all of it was shit that Alora needed to hear and Daniel needed to get out. Mm-hmm. They just can't actually be at a place where they're going to communicate at the same time. time. Uh, and then this one is the, the funeral episode. Yeah. I guess not even the funeral episode, the dying episode. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite episodes of the series. This episode is fantastic. And I don't even know how to talk about it because it's mostly just people. It's being just like their the community coming together. And I do have some thoughts on it because the way the community thinks they're behaving versus how they actually are. But like, man, okay. So like, I'm probably never having kids. Let's say 95% cool mm-hmm. with that. I have whatever feelings is, you know, it's, our society is so based on like have kids. Uh, the idea of having my community come together around me and spending time together, but not just sad as I'm dying appeals to me so strongly. I mean, this episode, this is the episode that made me cry. This one, um, it wasn't a, it wasn't at all the same because it wasn't it wasn't so much like coming together while it was happening and all that with with some of the different uh ceremony involved uh that was shown in this episode but it does remind me a lot of uh I brought it up once before on our Coco episode how one of my favorite uh one of my favorite uh, memories with my family was my grandfather's funeral and yeah, like, yeah, we were sad and like it sucked that he wasn't here with us anymore. But it was it was my family coming together with the entire point of the families being together right now. And there's not just sad that's gonna come of that. Like we had a fantastic time, like sitting around having food and, and eating and joking and retelling stories and, and making music and uh, this entire episode just sort of reminds me of that. And I love Big bringing a squash and being like, "What do we do? I don't know, cook it. Shit, it's organic." <laughs> God damn it, Big. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think there's kind of a couple of approaches on this one. One, this is the one where the kids start to realize that the elders are all people and all had lives. Before yeah, Hodge then. dog <laughs> and realizing like there's something about, you know, realizing your parents were full fledged people had lives before you kind of thing. And like, there's knowing that. And then there's understanding that. Mm-hmm. And this is where the kids are kind of starting to do it, especially Alora. But we learned so much in a weird way. This episode's about cookie. Alora's yeah. mom more than anyone else, even though, I mean, even though Mabel's dying, Mabel's like, dying. And we learn a lot about Mabel and they made me care about Mabel who had one sentence yeah. before this. And she was kind of a bitch in it. Like, <laughs> But the stuff one, it's interesting how much everyone's story from before cookie died 
was about drinking. Every single story they told was about being hungover, vomiting from being hungover, drinking. How many beers Willie Jack's dad could take in a single go? Every single story. And then we know that Cookie died in a drunk driving mm-hmm. accident. And you're like, oh, shit. That puts so many pieces together of why this community is the way it is. Uh, but the part that stuck out to me most was like, so this whole community has come together for this passing, this goodbye. And Teeny, who isn't in the res anymore and has come into town for this and was best friends, cousins, something like that with. Oh, right. Cause Teeny is, she was really close with cookie. Mm-hmm. The way that, the people oh, yeah, talk to each were... other. It's a little unclear always what the line always is. I mean, the way they'll be like, it was good to see you, cousin, granddaughter. Right. Sister. So Cookie, I think Cookie would have just been a friend. A friend of Teeny. Yeah. But they Teeny, were fucking tiny. Teeny and Rita are sisters. Okay. That's the part that I did. And they're also like real life sisters. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And Teeny is... Feeling so many emotions seeing Alora, and not necessarily expecting emotions back, but like there's some bits where I honestly I think she was expecting things to be a bit heavier for Alora that isn't because Alora doesn't have these. Alora was just a little kid when mm-hmm. Cookie died. But the bit is, I think it's Rita who's like, What are we doing here? And Rita's the one that's fucking been there for Alora more than anybody else, except for maybe Mabel, who wasn't there for Alora in different ways that she needed. She was like physically there for Alora. Um, but Teeny goes, We're here for Alora. And I think all of them honestly believe that, but they're fucking not. Right. Because uh, we were talking been about this, this whole a little season. Bit. Yeah. Um, which makes me realize we forgot to bring up something. And that's that. Big and Rob and Cleo knew the entire fucking time. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. This thing of Laura, and then we're going to yeah. talk about that. Alora, uh, <laughs> this whole time has been desperately alone and unable to talk to people. And like, part of it is her own trauma and her own sadness from Daniel and not being able to talk about being the person who found him, which is mm-hmm. the most horrific thing that can kind of really happen in a lot of ways. But part of the reason she can't talk about it is because she's never had anyone there who can talk. She can talk to about this shit because everyone who sees her gets fucking sad about her mom dying. And she can't even talk about her mom dying because none of them will, because they get sad about it. It's that bit um, in the first season where she asks uncle Brownie, like, can you tell me about my mom? And he's like, no, and it, yeah, not because not I don't, I don't want, want to, because I don't want to cry in front of you. And that's like really sweet and you can kind of get it, but also fucking man up. Alora needs this. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. <laughs> what, once again, we're going to get more on the elders and their hangups. Oh my God. I'm so excited. That's what I'm looking forward to most, but okay. That we have to go back to Rob and Cleo. That scene is incredible. It's so fucking good. So it's part of Bear going around looking for jobs. Rewatch the first season knowing that Big knows the entire time. 
It's so fucking wild. It's really obvious immediately. Like I immediately had a couple scenes pop up. We were like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you guys are mm-hmm. not good at this. Uh, but uh, Bear is hanging out at Rob and Cleo's eating catfish and talking to Rob and Cleo. And he tries to get a job. They're not like, fuck, no. <laughs> well, the amount that cheese has stolen over the years, you owe us. Which is so fucking funny. Just right. Because that. And don't I think love, we didn't notice all the stakes. <laughs> I love that scene from the first episode of cheese. If you're going to steal, it's okay. But you got to tell us so I can write it off. Like is so. Oh my God. Right. And in a lot of ways, like it shows that this community really is looking after them. They're just not doing it in a way that fucking lets the kids know in a way that will actually be helpful for them. So, okay. <laughs> now that we have that out of the way, we got to bounce back. No, no, because we okay. do need a little bit of the bit where the driver sits down. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. You're right. <laughs> and is talking to them. And it's like insurance covered that. And I got to keep my job and my foot. And like that scene was like funny and heart wrenching in the bit, but like, so obviously so like weird and over the top of like that car theft happened a day ago, Mm -hmm. but he lost his wife and his foot from the diabetes from the, she left him with only a bag of sugar. (laughs) Like I remember listening to that scene and being like, what the fuck? But sure, fine. I I almost thought it was like Bear, like unreliable narrator Bear, just his guilt. Well, because he had that bit with him talking right in his ear. Yeah, exactly. But no, it just turns out that that dude is the world's worst actor. (laughs) He might have actually been talking in Bear's ear. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't know. And then it turns out, one, they didn't turn him in because the last thing you need is more kids sent to jail and having their lives ruined, which fucking great. And two, they fucking uploaded it to Facebook and have fucking been, uh, sharing it with each other. And then fucking, um, uh, the meth head. Um, Oh, Kenny boy, Kenny boy being like, you guys are the best thieves in town. Dot, dot, dot. It's a pretty small town. That whole sentence changes. When you know that, like, they've been sending this to everyone. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they were like, Kenny boy, Kenny boy. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so fucking good. Okay. Back I go to back the, to Laura. I'm so, it, that's just one of the most important scenes of the season. I think the other thing important, uh, the, the other kind of important teeny revelation and sort of how it ties into everything is we're starting this episode in a lot of ways is a, is a turning point. Because you see, as you say, like you, you see the kids notice these things about the elders. You get a lot of explanation, a lot of backstory. And like even some of the dumb riffs start to go away because like Jackie's being brought in. Like they're still not liking it, but like she's falling asleep on Bear's shoulder. And like she's being taught how to be made fried bread. Yeah. But um, something to note is that we get part of part of the backstory we get is that basically after cookie died, teeny just took off mm-hmm. and we're getting this healing process because everybody's coming back together. And we already talked about in the first season that 
the kids were doing it wrong. And so now that things are starting to be done right, now the community is coming back together. And shit's getting done. It's also I starting. Love how much it's also Big starting. Desperately wants to marry Teeny still. <laughs> so good, dude. Fucking Big is fitting game. Yeah, no, he was doing real good there. Uh, but also, um, I love that quiet moment with Jackie and Cheese. With mm. Jackie, after that, like you don't like me, do you? Which is such a like poking for a fight. She's done nothing to make these people like them, mm-hmm. like her. Like she's like well, other than a supposed to. Yeah, I'm not supposed to, but like, you know. And basically cheese being like, Yeah, you've been a fucking shithead to us, but like that's not all who you are. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like this forever. Mm-hmm. And then like you're here for Alora, so obviously you're not just the the boogeyman. And like, I'm only here because my aunt made me. No, you're not. And that's what I do love about cheese. Cause he's a soft boy, but he's not a stupid soft boy. He's very intelligent. Um, he's Caramon. Caramon? Dragonlance. Oh yeah. Okay. Raceland's big brother. <laughs> big brother. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah. I just loved that bit. And then. I love the bit at the end where we see Mabel's spirit because it doesn't, it, it helps give such an, a, a rounded view of Mabel because she's, she gives credit to Alora. You did good today. You did good here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I didn't think of it at the time, but you're right. This is really, she's not necessarily just talking about her funeral, her dying stuff, but like Alora's helping bring the community together to heal traumas that all of them have needed to heal forever. But also they don't just make Mabel this like, Oh, it turns out she was this amazing person. She's still a crotchety old bag. <laughs> like, right. Don't sell my, uh, blue China or whatever it yeah. was, or I'll haunt your ass. Like fuck off lady. <laughs> so good. Last bit. Yeah. Uh, bear. And I didn't immediately get this, but she asked Bear to take the food out back. Oh, uh-huh. And I still don't know necessarily why Bear was doing that, but I, I am guessing oh, there's some kind of... that was a spirit of, plate. That's what I thought. Like, I didn't... Un, I don't know the ceremony, the mm-hmm. the whatever, but I understood kind of what was happening, especially because fucking Knifeman immediately <laughs> yeah. comes and grabs it. And then the, but the, the talking to Knifeman is trying so hard this whole season to get these fucking shit asses to just talk to each other just for fucking 10 minutes. Oh yeah. Well, Cause he's like, like why oh, are you yeah. here? I'm here for Laura. Are you uh, tell her that? Well, I'm here. Oh, I forgot the ancient native proverb of like, well, I'm here. So that's good enough or whatever the fucking line is. Oh my God. Yeah. And then Laura is now. This is her house. She's, I guess, kind of the eldest of the family. She's basically the matriarch of that part of the family. Pretty much. Even though she's kind of the only one. I mean, I guess. Uncle At least Brown as far as like, like in town goes. Yeah. Because, yeah. But all of these kids, like Bear's got a fucking job now. She has a house. 
that she lives in alone. Like it's, they're all becoming adults and really. Well, that the next episode, the aunties have a line that says the same way. Do you something like, is it to paraphrase it? Like at one point when they're hanging out, isn't there something like, don't you all feel like we just grew up and nobody, nobody let us know. Like it just happened overnight one time. Mm -hmm. This is a really good episode. Don't get me wrong. It might be my least favorite episode of the season. And I know you love this episode. Dude, so I'm not as soon as we started talking about that, I realized I have nothing to say as for why, for some reason, this episode just fucking, uh, I'm enamored with it. It's a great episode. It's this wonderful examination of the aunties of these middle-aged women just going to a conference that's kind of a big fuck party because the fuck else are you supposed to do? That's what conferences are. Yeah. Except for poor Dr. What's-His-Name, who yeah. is uh, the, the Asian guy. Oh, Dr. Kang? Fucking Bobby <laughs> Lee? He snagged. Did he? Yeah. Okay. That's when at the very end when he's coming out to the elevator. I don't know. I must. Oh shit. Like, cause they're, they're all going to leave the conference. Right. And mm -hmm. the, the aunties are all already waiting in the elevator and they're all looking fucking hung over his balls. And he comes running down the hall and motions for them to, to hold. And he's just in like, he's got hickeys all over <laughs> like a giant fucking scratch down. Like one of his pecs. Um, I watched this during dinner, so it's really easy if I get up to like, and he's wearing her underwear. That's whatever he grabbed to get out. And that's all he's in is like her fucking panties. Oh, shit. I, and, and he's uh, got the fucking, the, 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 uh, the, the, the fucking lanyard, whatever. Yeah. The lanyard, which is their, their uh, kills. <laughs> yeah. I think it says Dora on it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, which I think was the waitress. Ooh. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Uh, the big woman, uh, Jackie's aunt, who I do uh, not Bev. like. Bev. Janish meeting. Actress does a great job. Mm -hmm. She's just not making a super likable person who ends up with the guy that like, can impregnate you with a stare. Oh yeah. <laughs> Eyes down ladies. Seminoles can impregnate you with a stare. Uh, and then the other auntie whose name I never got. Cause she's not, she's just kind of the fourth one of the group. I don't Natalie. Is she connected to any of the kids? No, she mentions that she has kids, but we don't know who they are. Uh, ends up with two guys. Cause she didn't want to pick between them. So fuck it. Go for it. Really? The important, I think the important part of this is the bits we get of teeny and Rita and like how good it is. The Rita has this community, but also how hard it is. She's you're right. She went from, a shit ass kid to a full ass adult. And there's no, there was no in between. There was no slide. She had bear. She's a adult now. Mm -hmm. Although I did laugh really hard at, um, bears about your age or the age you were when you had him, you were a really good teen mom. Why would you say this to me? <laughs> well, I think he's going to be a really good teen dad. Why would you say this? Like That's so fucking good. Ooh, the, just the dance, the dance. The they get fucking high as balls, and I have taken them. You have given me too much weed on accident, yep. and suddenly I got too fucked up. And they think they're doing the great fucking dance, and it turns out they're just and it's their childhood dance from the very beginning of the episode. Oh my god! And so, really, like Cookie should have been in the front, but but she's ain't mm -hmm. there. No, you're 
You're right. There is nothing bad about this episode. It's a really good episode, I think. And it's a great examination of that kind of middle generation of the people because we have the res dogs. We have that middle generation of like their parents. And then we have Mabel, Uncle Brownie, Bucky kind of generation, Mm -hmm. the, the grandma generation. And it's a good examination of them and of who Rita is and a little bit on teeny, which is fascinating and kind of the balance of like when them getting through their shit, because like they have that bit where everyone's like, well, teeny, you got out. Like you get to choose what you want to do. And she's like, my biggest regret is getting out. I don't have community. Yeah. That's really what it is. You can get out of the res and all of the reasons to get out of the res, which are real reasons. It's and not just the res. any rural community. If you get the fuck out, I a hundred percent get it, but you are sacrificing a lot of community and family and everything you grew up around. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. It just is the price you pay, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't, my problem with this episode and why I don't like it as much is because it doesn't grow the whole community as much. Although I do love that both her and bear are pretending to have. Oh my God. Boring, quiet nights. The bear one was really impressive. Getting the entire party. Just like just be super chill. I love that fucking cheese is playing. Like I couldn't tell if it was an N64 or a GameCube, but that was not a modern. Oh yeah. Controller. Oh, uh, I do want to point out the, the guy that Reed is trying to snag mm-hmm. is uh, Tatanka Means. He is the son of legendary uh, activist and uh, actor Russell Means, who you would know as the voice of Chief Powhatan in Pocahontas. Another movie I haven't seen since I was in theaters. These white men are dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, uh... Dude, this is maybe my... F- if I need to feel good, this is the episode I put on. I fucking love decolonativization mm-hmm. to the point where I couldn't hold back. And I made it the name of our last episode. Did you? <laughs> I, I I, it was, yet. it was too perfect for when we were putting it out on Thanksgiving. No, that's great. I love it. Uh, what I, I think what I love about this episode. So real quick, the basis of this episode is that the IHS is holding a seminar get together for all of the youth trying to bring, connect them to their culture. It's the Native American Reclamation and Decolonization Symposium Youth Summit. Nards. And uh, that kind of shit matters. Connecting kids to their culture 100% is important. But I also respect that they bring up how fucking stupid these things always are, too. Anytime that we're going to bring in a fucking, especially an influencer. Oh my God. Any of that kind of bullshit. Like, so that was a uh, miss matriarch is Amber mid thunder from prey. Okay. I knew I recognized her, but I didn't know necessarily where it's such a balance with these kind of things. Like any kind of like community organization, bringing in these kids and the fucking dude, you're doing it for the Sonics. Hundred percent. Oh yeah. <laughs> Every time. But also, there are moments where these kids are getting stuff out of it. Mm-hmm. Like it is a weird balance between this is fucking stupid and like there is value here. That oh my god, Miss Matriarch and Augusto Firekeeper. 
every I crack up every fucking time. The land acknowledgement, dinosaur oyate. I fucking sh- I d- almost and shit the myself. The dinosaurs and the oh my fucking god. I almost shit myself when she said dinosaur oyate. Um, fucking Augusto, like. Normally, I, I wouldn't say this about myself, but others have said it about me, so I will say it, but I'm, I'm a young, young elder. elder. Oh, my God. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, Bear and Laura have moments of actual communication. They could fucking get through their shit if they could fucking talk to each other. The fucking bit where Willie Jack is using the, like, sending cheese while blindfolded through the... <laughs> to get the scucks? And then she says him to buy her a, a, a soda, an energy drink, whatever the fuck that shit is. Mm-hmm. It's uh, organic. It's organic, yes. It's made it's out of energy. so <laughs> fucking funny. Willie Jack is on fire in this episode, even where she's wrong in a shithead. White Steve's... Best memory of getting jumped into the Indian Mafia. Oh, White Steve just wants to be part of a community so bad. And who was it? Bone Thug Dog? That was all like, I just like pain. Relaxes me. (laughs) (laughs) From a storyline perspective, I think the biggest bit here is when, I mean, we find out that Jackie's favorite memory is her brother. Teaching her to ride, teaching her to ride the bike, and Willie Jack makes a jackass comment about it. But like, I understand they're fucking getting ready to go down. She doesn't know, right? That- Willie Jack didn't have that moment with Jackie like Cheese did last episode. Yeah, like Willie Jack is the one that has been most insulated from the fact that Jackie is actually a human. And Willie Jack is so fiercely protective of her friends that her answer is, "Let's fucking." Mm-hmm. All right, if we're going to go, let's fucking go. <laughs> but she's also not inhuman. She totally feels bad once she realizes the extent of what it was that she the said. The moment she finds out Jackie's human, you can watch everything about her shift. Uh, and I like that Jackie doesn't just forgive her right away. This episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for she's still like, yeah, no, you better watch your back. Fuck you too then. <laughs> I, I know cheese is my favorite, but God fucking Willie Jack is so good. Alora and bear are both boring compared to Willie Jack and they're fascinating characters. We did get uh Jackie and bear winning the, the potato dance doing the potato. Yeah. I love that bear is forced to like realize that him and Jackie kind of work really well together in their own, not just, you know, Oh my God. In this episode, White Steve has my favorite line of the entire fucking What's series. That? It's during the potato dance, and it's like him and fucking Willie Jack are getting low, and he starts fucking it up, and she's like, hey, stay on rhythm. <laughs> he goes, what even is rhythm? <laughs> <laughs> they make so many jokes at the expense of white people that we really need, and that one's almost lazy, but, you know... What even is, I missed it like the first like five times I watched that episode because it goes so quickly. Well, and also in fairness, like he kind of has a point. They just tell him stay on rhythm without any like, here's how to roll through this shit. Like, (laughs) Stay on rhythm is not helpful advice by itself. What even is rhythm? Just the fact that it's white Steve. The fact that uh, I we CC and I were explaining this show to someone. We were explaining how it's like almost entirely native cast crew. 
Yeah. And, except, and she's like, well, except not everyone. I went, well, you know, White Steve and the person just fucking died. And I was like, yeah, okay. See, now you understand. <laughs> Good white Steve. His car caught on fire. <laughs> He's not allowed to be my favorite character. I'm, I'm, I will not pick white Steve as my favorite character in a, like this show, but cheese exists. Well, I'm not, and really, I mean, just, there's so many good ones and fucking nothing whiter than picking the one white background guy to be your favorite character. But every scene with him is gold. <laughs> like, so good. He's one of the best background characters. Mm-hmm. We're going to do something interesting. Yeah, I ran out of time here, which is funny because this is the shortest episode we've done in a long fucking time. But again, I don't have a car, so our my my schedule is not quite what it is. We're going to do a two-parter here. Uh, so not 100% sure how that one works. We will get together as soon as kind of our schedule allows for the two of us and finish up the rest of this season. Yeah. But for now, uh, in the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it as the whole world is around on algorithms and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, email us generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, check out all of our back catalog or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.